Well, greetings and welcome to the Front Porch Podcast. You are on the Pastor and People channel, and I'm sitting here with the Right Reverend Thabiti Anyabwile. What's up, T? How's it going, Isaac, man? Good to be with you. Good to be with you in this cold month of December, man. I see you, I see you trembling. I see the, the island weather hasn't worn off just I'm, quite yet. I'm trying to figure it out, man. Yesterday was 71 degrees, and today <laughs> is like 34, man. Brother, brother having all kind of fits, man. I know, man. I know it, man. I know it. Well, you're here, like I said, on the Pastor and People podcast, and we try to just put this forth every time. 2 Corinthians one twenty four. This is the thematic verse we're kind of working with, and just having march along with us and in it paul says not that we not that we lord it over your faith but we work with you for your joy for you for you stand firm in your faith and that's the goal to edify both pastors to help understand their people and people to help understand their pastors and last month we did that talking about what a pastor even is what is a shepherd one who knows the sheep leads the sheep feeds the sheep protects the sheep and all of the things and we concluded saying this is a hard work right this is this is messy this is very difficult sheep bite Shepherds disagree and a number of other things. But now we're going to focus a little bit more on the people side because a goal of a, sh- of a shepherd is to have sheep, or we could say a goal of a pastor is to have disciples, correct? That's even going off the Great Commission. And we're going to be talking about in this month uh, making disciples, right? That's the kind of theme of the month. And today I just want to talk about the basics with UT. So let me just start with the basic question then. What is a disciple? Well, uh, a disciple is a rich word, um, a synonym, really, for for what we typically call Christians. Um, The word basically means a a student or follower. Um, We see it throughout the New Testament. We see it even in the Old Testament. As we think about it in Elisha with Elijah, for example, uh, or Joshua with Moses. Um, you, You have this situation where there's one who leads and teaches and another, the disciple, who follows and, and lives under, to use another word um, from which we get the word disciple, lives under the discipline, the teaching of the one that they're following. So a disciple uh, is one who lives by the teachings of Jesus Christ and makes other such followers of Jesus Christ, right? So in this idea of a disciple is this notion of replication as well. Uh, so a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who helps others follow Jesus Christ. So you're saying a disciple is inherently relational, that concept at least. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's relational in the sense of teacher-student. Uh, it's relational in the sense, if you want to use an analogy, of a relay. So what Christ came to teach, he taught his apostles. They taught the church and, and other leaders in the church who in turn taught others. So you see Paul mentioning this in um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, where he says there, that the things that I have taught you, Timothy, find faithful men uh, who will be able to teach others also. All right. So Paul has received, now he has passed it to Timothy. Timothy is to pass it to faithful men, and those faithful men are to teach others also. So the whole Christian life, Um, when viewed from the vantage point of discipleship is a kind of relay race where we learn to follow Christ by the teaching of others and we teach others how to follow Christ. Okay, so T, you're talking about passing then this baton to use the relay analogy. And just to be clear, what is then the specific goal of disciple making? Is it just to pass on the baton and say, he's got the baton in his hand, he's saved? 
voila, run along, and I'm just going to go see if I can bring some more sheep into the fold, some more disciples into my, mm. for lack of a better term, clique, or even some might even think of it as I have my clique of guys around me, I'm passing on the baton. What is the goal of disciple making? That's a great question. We, we could express it in at least two levels. So you mentioned Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20 a moment ago, where our Lord says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he, he says, which is language that harkens all the way back to Daniel 7, right? Um, but then what does he do with that authority? He says, therefore, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. And then he defines what that making disciple, disciples looks like. It's teaching them um, to obey everything I have commanded. And it is baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'll be with you always. So one goal of discipleship is the worldwide worship of Jesus Christ, right? That we go into the entire world to bring all peoples to, to this knowledge, this saving knowledge of Christ, um, and, and into this ability to obey everything he has commanded, right? So at, at his broadest level, that's the goal of discipleship. Um, but then, then there's another way in which we can talk about it. We, we switch over to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning around verse 11 down to verse 16, where Paul uses that body imagery to, to describe the local church. Um, and he talks about each joint supplying to the other. And he says there that, that Christ has given to the church gifted persons, apostles, preachers, pastors and teachers, evangelists, and so on, for the equipping of the saints, yep. for the work of the ministry. And then he gives us a goal there. Till we all reach maturity in Christ. Till we all, he says there, uh, reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. So the other goal of disciple making is the maturity of every member in the body of Christ, right? So, 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 so Christ has in mind in the Great Commission the worldwide worship of Jesus. And he has in mind in Ephesians 4 in, in the body life in which discipleship takes place. Um, the, the, the Christ-like maturity of, of, every, of every individual disciple. I see. So unlike the relay where you quickly hand off your baton, you get out of the way so your teammate can then run on, mm -hmm. you're saying, no, you need to run with people, actually, mm -hmm. and see some of your disciples at least come to maturity. That's the goal, mm -hmm. right, is that mm -hmm. they don't just feed on milk, but they're, they're actually eating the stake of the Christian life, so to speak. That's right. And one of the things that's important to note about that Ephesians 4 passage is that it takes an entire church to raise a Christian. You know, it, it, takes, it takes the entire local church uh, as each joint supplies to the other, as each ligament does its part, um, that there's this given and taking um, wherein, wherein the whole body is necessary for that maturity to happen. And so one of the things to be careful about is is when we sort of over-individualize the process of disciple-making, we actually rob ourselves of some of the grace that God intends to come to us from other people. Right. Let me, so let me push you on that one then, because you just quoted Ephesians 4, talking about he gave some to be apostles, mm -hmm. some to be teachers, mm -hmm. and some might wrongly, but some might read into that, well, maybe he gave some to be disciple-makers. Maybe mm -hmm. he gave some, I'm just woefully unequipped. Look, I'm not a runner. I don't run track. I don't pass batons. You know, how can I do this? I'm just trying to follow Jesus. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. So, and I know you said it's the church's 
task. But are you saying then that it's the church's responsibility to make disciples? Is it the whole church? Is it just the pastor? Is it just my job? That's a good question because that's when it comes down to the question of joy, right? Between pastor and people. I'm going to back into your answering your question here by, by first saying, you know, if a congregation sits back, folds its arms, and looks at the pastor and says, you need to make all the disciples, that's what we pay you for, that pastor is going to be miserable, mm. right? Mm. And, and likewise, that congregation is going to be miserable because no one man has all the gifts, all the ability, even all the time to disciple an entire church by himself, right? right? right. Uh, in fact, no plurality of elders of whatever size has, has, has everything that's needed to disciple an entire church by themselves as an eldership. It takes the entire church to disciple the entire church. Uh, and that's what we're seeing there in Ephesians 4. Um, so, so everyone doing their part is what leads to joy between pastor and people. And here's what I would say to the person who's saying, well, I'm not gifted as a disciple maker. Well, none of us are. It's a command. <laughs> you know? so, so we just got to get used to it, right? And I would say, uh, a little bit more seriously, and, and I would say, we have in mind sometimes when we talk about making disciples, I think some of us imagine that we're going to take a person as a blank slate and we individually are going to teach them everything they need to know mm-hmm. to be disciples. So we need to be expert Christians mm-hmm. in order to help people do this, right? Well, I just want to shift that a little bit and say, no, actually, even if you're not a perfect Christian, and there are no perfect Christians, Amen. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't know everything, and nobody knows everything, right? So in other words, if you're normal, here's, here's, here's what I think you, how you want to think about this. You maybe want to select an area of your life where you feel like Christ is giving you victory and maturity such that you feel capable of teaching others. And you maybe want to pick an area of your life where you have struggled and failed, wherein out of your weaknesses, Christ may minister to others and help them grow. And focus on encouraging one, two, six people, ten people in a small group or however, Focus on encouraging them in those areas, right? So you don't have to be the theologian of the church as an average Christian, right? But it might be that you spent a lot of time just, for example, thinking about Christian stewardship and personal finances. And you can help somebody put together a budget. You can help somebody think through um, their resources with a biblical worldview. Um, You can help them make decisions that are wise in light of the scripture, Um, and, and you can tell them about some failures you had financially. And that will be a contribution to that person's discipleship. Now, somebody else may come along and help them read a systematic theology and, and, and begin to put some other pieces together. Um, but we all have a lane. If we stay in our lane, um, then we'll be able to contribute. And everyone is meant to contribute to making disciples in the church. So, T, in that I hear you addressing people who are who have maybe been Christians for years and just aren't discipling. Mm-hmm. How, what is your encouragement then to the new Christian? So let's say I'm converted last week. Right. I'm converted an hour ago. Right. And I've heard it said, uh, I've heard it said that uh, if you say you're following Jesus and you're not helping others to follow Jesus, I don't know what you mean by saying you're following Jesus, which I think is true. Mark Dever said that. I love, I love that statement. Um, but what would you say also about the people who say, well, if we're on the airplane, I have to put my oxygen mask on first 
before I can help someone else put theirs on. Does that make sense? I'm a new Christian. Should my priority be to be discipled or to disciple others or both? Mm -hmm. Well, let's go back on that airplane. The oxygen mask is falling down. The stewardess has told you to put your mask on first. Well, there's a little discipleship happening between you and the stewardess, right? The airline attendant. Uh, And it doesn't take much for you to tap the person next to me, next to you, and say, watch me as I put mine on, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So even at the point of, for the first time, putting on an oxygen mask, you, you can say, I think humbly and genuinely, look, watch me as I do this. I'm, I'm beginning to learn how to do this, and, and you're welcome to begin to learn along with me uh, as, as a new Christian. So a wonderful example, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a guy here in the church, um, a student over at Howard University, has converted through the evangelistic outreach that's going on over at Howard. It's been coming to the church. And so this past Sunday would have been the first or the second sermon he's heard as a Christian. And I look over and sitting to my left in the, in the row across the aisle there, and he's taking notes and he's work, marking his Bible and he's keeping up with the sermon. And um, after the service, uh, my wife goes over to him to greet him and to ask him how he was doing. And, and his first response to her was... Um, so what did you think of the sermon? Mm-hmm. Now, where did that come from? Well, he's in a local church where people have been taught to ask that question. Rather than talk about sports uh, or whether than talk about the weather, uh, you know, do the pleasantries. How are you? How's your family? But then ask spiritually meaningful questions. Well, some of disciple making and discipleship is caught, not taught. Mm-hmm. He, he caught that. And, and he turned to my wife and he says, what did you think of the sermon? And what did you think of this point? And, and began to think through the scriptures together. Um, this is stuff that everybody can do. You may be a brand new Christian, um, but you can do what you know to do as a brand new Christian. And that'll be an encouragement to somebody. Right. And I've never been on a plane when those masks dropped. And I pray, <laughs> I, pray, I, pray, I, pray I won't. But I just don't think it would take that long to get your mask on. <laughs> I, re- I mean, I would take... Twenty seconds, maybe, mm-hmm. before I look and say, "Put yours on too." And this is um, just the biblical example I think of is the blind man in John nine, who right. says, "I don't know much, That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I was once blind. <laughs> now I see." And now I see. And then he's talking to the religious teachers, That's so right. the people who should be mature, right. and he's saying, "Don't you, do you want to be his disciples too? Why do you keep asking me this?" Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, right. I cut you off. Go no, ahead. that's good, brother. That, that that's exactly right. And and just again. I'm, I'm loving this analogy of being on the plane and putting your mask on first. And you're saying it doesn't take much unless you're afraid, mm. unless you give in to fear and your hands are trembling and you can't hold the mask and you forgot what the lady said and you just panic. Right. And that's what happens spiritually when you mention to someone that they should be making disciples. They panic and they can't get the mask on and then turn you know, very easily to the person next to them and say, hey, here's how you put your mask on. And so part of what I just want to say as we work through this topic over this coming month is we want to reduce the stress levels. You know, we want to sort of work against the panic that sometimes happens when we hear these spiritual words like disciple making and discipleship and evangelism. And we just sort of want to ratchet it down a little bit so that uh, all of us can play the part that Christ means for us to play however big or small that is, um, in encouraging one another so that we grow into Christ and so that we see the whole world come to worship our Lord. Amen. And part of that is realizing, T, or let me ask you, in that we're not alone in our disciple-making, right, to say every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit Amen. and God did not give us a spirit of fear, Amen. 
but a spirit of love, of power, and of self-control. And that spirit, I think, will calm our hands down, though they may still tremble, uh, to further disciple-making. No, I, I love that, man, because you know we, we live in a day and age where Christians have, uh, we, we like to hold on to the promises of God, and we should, we should. Uh, that's so vital to faith. And we even have little things like promise books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that promise at Matthew 18, 20, very last line of that gospel, and lo, I am with you always. Now, lo, that's the King James, right? So, <laughs> so, so if we're using the ESV or something, behold, you know, <laughs> I am with you always. And, and in Hebrews and other places, we, we have recorded for us this promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so as we approach this discussion and approach this task, let us hold fast to that promise that, yeah, Christ is with us, uh, dwells in us by his spirit, enables us. Uh, to do this and, and bears fruit through us. Um, and so we need to only be willing uh, and, and only be faithful with what he's given us. Amen. And we'll stop there for today because there's plenty to chew on and plenty to rejoice in there, right? This is a labor of joy, making disciples. So those are just some of the basics of discipleship. By no means do we say to be exhaustive, but at least that gets you started if the oxygen masks are coming down. Next week, we're going to be talking about how does a shepherd make disciples? Things like looking at one-on-one, going from house to house, the primary task of the shepherd preaching the word of God. How does the shepherd then make disciples? We'll talk about that next week. Thank you for joining us on the porch and we'll see you next time.